Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Good morning. Welcome to Island Conversations. Sundays, we're on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on KWXX and on B97B93. And we rebroadcast these interviews the following Friday on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. And you may always find Island Conversations wherever you get podcasts or at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. We have not had an update from our great folks at Hawaiian Volcano Observatory for a while. So today we're going to get one from the acting scientist in charge, David Phillips. David has been at HVO since January of 2020 and was made acting scientist in charge in June, and he's really no stranger to the island. David has his PhD in geophysics from the University of Hawaii at Manoa, and his bachelor's of science degree in geology from the University of Hawaii at Hilo. While studying at UH Hilo, he was actually a student assistant at the Center for Study of Active Volcanoes, and he worked directly with the HVO staff. He actually taught a class with a previous scientist in charge, Jim Koahikawa, among other things. And he's also taught youth programs at Lyman Museum. In 2005, David had a leading role installing continuous GPS sites on Mount Aloha Volcano, which was a collaboration of HVO, NASA, and the University of Hawaii at Hilo. Aloha, David. How are you today? Aloha, Sherry. I'm doing good. Thank you. So let me ask you one more thing about your personal life. You are married. Tell us who your wife is and what she does. Yes, certainly. My wife's name is Francine Coloma, the Hilo girl, born and raised in Hilo. She also was a geology major at University of Hawaii at Hilo. And that's when we met way back in the 90s. We actually met doing a leveling survey in front of an active a'a lava flow. The rest is history. <laughs> and you all moved back here from Boulder, Colorado? That's right. We moved from Hawaii to Boulder, Colorado back in 2004. After I finished up at UH Manoa, we thought, well, let's just go do something completely different for a while. So we went over there to Colorado. It was the first time either of us had lived away from the ocean. It was the first time either of us had lived in a place with snow. So that was a big change. We had a wonderful 15 years there in Colorado. I worked at a National Science Foundation facility. Fran worked for a while at the National Snow and Ice Data Center. So she went from studying volcanoes to uh, the polar caps and then started working for NOAA as part of the National Geodetic Survey, the national infrastructure. And then we moved back here in January. That was when I came on staff at HBO as the deputy scientist in charge. And then I've been acting scientist in charge since June. We are just very happy to be back home in the islands and being part of HBO, which has been part of both of our lives for so long. David, you could not have come to this job at a stranger time, for sure, with everything going on with COVID. How are things going at Hawaiian Volcano Observatory? You're in a new location in Hilo since your location inside the park got badly damaged during the 2018 eruptions. What's going on with HVO? How is it going? (laughs) That's a great question, and that's a great way to describe it. HVO is currently in a period of transition. 
certainly following the, the events of 2018 and the evacuation of what was HVO headquarters on Uwekuhuna Bluff up on Kilauea Summit. And then after bouncing around between various short-term bases of operation, including at the University of Hawaii at Hilo for a while, and then last year settling in the Hilo Ironworks building. Our plan is that we will be there for a couple of years while a new facility is built. So we have our temporary office space there in Hilo Ironworks, and then we also have some warehouse and fabrication facilities in Keao, also a small warehouse that we use still up in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Like you said, you know, everybody's feeling of transition in terms of just the physical space, and then all of a sudden you uh, have a pandemic on top of that. And, you know, people talk about COVID-19 has felt like a really long, slow volcanic eruption response. There's a lot of displacement, just like everybody in the world is feeling right now, being displaced from just the normal routine and the way of life that we just knew and took for granted up until uh, about March earlier this year. HVO staff, we have been teleworking completely since the end of March. We are all working from home. We go into the facilities as needed to keep the monitoring networks running. We still go into the field to collect essential data in the field. We're doing all the necessary things to continue monitoring the volcanic activity here on the island, keeping the data going, and HVO is, is adapting. We'll get through that. We'll get through the pandemic. The horizon is bright in terms of future facilities. We do have money that has been earmarked, the Kilauea Disaster Supplemental Recovery Money. This will be used to provide HVO with brand new state-of-the-art facilities in the future. One difference compared to the past is that our primary building will be what we're calling the Science Center in Hilo. And then we will have a what we're calling a field station up in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. These will both be shared facilities between HVO and our USGS colleagues at Pierce, Pacific Islands Ecosystems Research Center. They currently have facilities within the park. So we'll have uh, shared facilities between HVO and Pierce with a uh, large science center in Hilo and a field station in the park. Arrangements are being made for exactly where that will go and what they will look like. We're just very much looking forward to a couple of years now and we can get settled back in. A new real home. Do you know where your new home in Hilo is going to be? The USGS is in talks with the University of Hawaii. The current plan is to have it located either on or near the University of Hawaii at Hilo campus. The specific plot of land is still being discussed between the university and the state and the USGS. We hope to know soon. Are you and your team able to adequately monitor Kilauea and Mauna Loa, our most concerning volcanoes? since we obviously do count on you all to give us forewarning and keep us all safe? Yes, we can absolutely perform the essential monitoring, so all the data streams, and we're able to monitor the activity of the volcanoes right now, even with these temporary facilities. What the new facilities will eventually give us is we'll be able to do that much more effectively and efficiently with some added capabilities. But in terms of the essential monitoring functions, yes, that's definitely the priority of all of our operations, is making sure that we can do that. Obviously, that's very good news for all of us. One of the main things I want to do is get updates on our most active volcanoes. And let's start with Kilauea. I know that there's been a lot of earthquakes up around the Kilauea summit area or in that area recently. Give us a general update for Kilauea. What about all these earthquakes? What about its basic status and whether you're seeing an eruption coming anytime soon? 
while Kilauea is considered a very high threat potential volcano, even though it's not currently erupting, there's no activity on the surface in terms of lava flows or anything like that, it's still very much an active volcano. There's a lot of activity happening within the volcano, what we consider to be normal background activity. So that's exactly how we've classified. <laughs> if you go to the HVO website, current status for Kilauea says green, normal. We consider the activity, including the recent seismic swarm that I'll mention in a few minutes, part of the kind of what we consider the normal activity at Kilauea, which includes things like earthquakes, things like thermal features, changes in the shape of the volcano, minor decassing. So it's still an active volcano underneath, even though nothing is at the surface. We know from our data streams that um, since 2018, the magma system underneath the surface is still active and the magma system is slowly being recharged. Just like Mauna Loa, Kilauea, deep down magma is still coming into the system and it's slowly inflating. So we know that eventually there will be another eruption at Kilauea. As of right now, there is no indication of anything imminent in terms of a eruption at Kilauea. That's why we have the status at normal, at green. It's doing background things and interesting things, but there are no signs of any impending eruption at Kilauea. What about down in the lower East Rift Zone? There's still some gas coming out. Tell us what's happening down there and whether that's of any concern. What we consider happening down there is background activity. So it's still active, but it's not something that HVO fuels is indicating an increase in activity that would be a threat to life or property. It is an active volcano, so there's still heat coming out of the cracks. As it rains or as water filters down into these cracks, it gets superheated and that generates the steam and whatnot that, that, that people see coming out of the fissures and features down there. The lava is still cooling. Nothing imminent in terms of a new eruption. There are no signs of that, but we are just seeing continued settling down of things from what happened in 2018. There's one more thing about Kilauea that I'm really intrigued about, and I think a lot of people are, and that is the water lake that is growing inside Kilauea about a year ago. Actually, I think it was at the end of August in 2019, Jim Kohikawa, former scientist in charge, and I talked about that. Tell us what's going on there, because the water has been increasing. What do you know about it now that you've been learning? Yeah, the water lake at Kilauea Summit is just fascinating. Just like you said in the last time Jim talked with you about that last year, HBO first started water pooling within um, the bottom of Haleomaumau in July of 2019. That was when water seemed to be forming there that just wasn't going away. Over the coming months, it just kept getting deeper and deeper. And uh, over the last year, it's, <laughs> it's just kept going and it's just kind of slowly been getting deeper and bigger. And it's gone from a wee little pond up to we're actually calling it a lake now. So it's over a year old now. It turned one year old in July of this year. It's a little over 100 feet deep right now. It's over six acres in size. It's almost now about 1,000 feet by about 500 feet length by width and well over 125 million gallons. So it's getting deeper. What basically happened is that when the summit collapsed in 2018, the bottom is so deep now, it actually fell out and collapsed to the point that the bottom of Halimaumau was actually now below the water table. As time went on and water was able to filter in from the sides and from underneath and things had cooled off to a point that the water wasn't just always vaporized and turned to steam, you started having water accumulate down in the bottom of the caldera. 
inside Halemaumau. The idea is that the water level will continue to rise until it hits the equilibrium point with the surrounding water table. We have various models that show varying depths, but we expect what we've seen over the last year to continue in fresh water to continue to form in this lake. The chemistry of the water is of great interest. It's mildly acidic, an acidity comparable to, say, orange juice, pH is in the floor level or so. Just yesterday, a team of us were out when we were using a UAS, an unpiloted aircraft, also known as a drone, and we successfully collected water samples from the lake so that we can perform a new chemical analyses on it and learn more about the water that's in the lake and what that tells us about activity at Kilauea. How hot is that water? It's about 70 to 85 degrees uh, see, that's Celsius. Um, it's running between 158 degrees and 185 degrees Fahrenheit. Basically too hot to take a swim. <laughs> exactly. I have read and heard some suggest that the water could lead to Kilauea having an explosive eruption, well more than what we've ever had, not that we've ever had, well more than what we've had in the past 40, 50, 60 years. What's your thinking about that? Well, it's an interesting question, and certainly we're thinking a lot about that, as are a lot of people. Certainly it's the case that when fresh water interacts with magma, it can lead to explosive activity. One of the things to keep in mind is that there's always been fresh water within the summit of Kilauea, though. You know, it's groundwater, it's in there, so there's always been some level of interaction between the water and the magma. How much the lake might add to this is, is a topic of ongoing research. But there's different ways that it can interact. You could have water-driven explosions where the water just gets superheated from magma coming in. There could be uh, another case where the magma actually interacts with the water and you can have explosions like that. And a lot of that will depend on the rate of magma coming up, for example, from underneath. So whether it's a very slow kind of approach towards the fresh water or whether it comes relatively quickly or whether it feeds something elsewhere. We're about to publish a summary and a fact, frequently asked questions about exactly this topic on the HVO website. So it's going under the final scientific review right now, and so there will be a lot more details for people to investigate at various levels very soon. So going back to the original question, simply, is there a possibility of increased explosive activity? Yes, it's possible. That being said, there are no indications right now that any explosions are imminent. And just a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. You may always find the podcast of Island Conversations wherever you get podcasts or at kwxx.com and at b97hawaii.com. This week, we are talking with David Phillips, the acting scientist in charge at Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. Next week, join me for a conversation with Cindy Kamakawa, the chief executive officer of North Hawaii Community Hospital. Before we get back to David Phillips, a word from our sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. 
And now back to David Phillips of Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. During the 2018 lava flow, there were a number of ash explosions at the Kilauea summit. Were they caused at all by water or was something else making that happen? Is there any relationship or similarity to the water that we're seeing now? Probably not in the case of what we saw in 2018. Those explosions were largely driven the eruption and the flows that were being seen down in Leilani and down Rift. The magma within the reservoir within the summit was drained, so that left a vacuum cavity, and then the summit of Kilauea started to collapse, and that's what led to Halimamo being as deep as it is now. And this was a huge change to the system in terms of the pressure, and basically as things would just go down and evacuate the system, and the pressure would change through time, and it was mostly those changes that were responsible for the explosions that we were seeing on a daily basis in 2018 at the summit. You mentioned the water is below the water table. Could the volcano be affecting the quality of water that people drink? That's an interesting question. Mostly what we're seeing there is very localized. While everything is connected at some level, there are independent little bodies of water that we're seeing at the summit. We actually take measurements from a deep water well just a few kilometers south of Halimaumau. And so we are comparing the water that we're taking out of the well, the lake, and we're continuing to study them. A lot of the acidity and the chemistry that we're seeing in the lake is also, um, it's, it's happening as the, uh, the water interacts with the heat and with the other rocks and things at the bottom of Halimaumau. And that is a little different environment that you have just with when you're within the rock itself. And so we're seeing some changes in chemistry that are probably unique just to that lake that you may not see just from out of a well, for example, nearby. Before we leave Kilauea and move on to Mount Aloha, you had talked a little bit about the earthquakes. Is there anything more we should know? Because I know there's been a whole lot of earthquakes. Uh, yes, certainly. If, if any residents of a Volcano Golf Course are listening, they will definitely be interested in um, <laughs> learning more about the seismic swarm that, that we had, which started Thursday night, the 22nd of October. So I live up in that area, and I was kept awake all night long by a series of earthquakes. They were mostly small, but they were very frequent. They were enough to rattle our house, keep us up. Every time you'd almost get to sleep, bang, there'd be another earthquake. The largest one we measured that night was a magnitude 3, and then the following night it continued, and the largest we measured the next night was a a 3.5, and it was very interesting activity. It is what we call a seismic swarm when we have a sudden onset of, in this case, hundreds of small earthquakes within a concentrated area. What was interesting about these is even though they were very widely felt here in the golf course, they were not strongly felt elsewhere. Even as close by as Volcano Village, there were only a few felt reports. But of course, we were able to uh, monitor and track these events using our seismic instruments. What this is, it's a, uh, a seismic swarm that's on the Kaliki Fault Zone. This is not that unusual. We get these every so many years. The last one that people really noticed was in 2012. There's been quite a few of these swarms that happen every few years going back to 1983 or so. We do not think this is related to an impending eruption or any other activity. Just looking at the data, we see all these seismic events, but we're not seeing any other changes in the volcano. There's no change, for example, in the surface, any deformation going on. Very different from in 2018, for example, when significant changes in the shape of the surface of the volcano were observed by tilt meters and GPS, and also changes in gas. All we're seeing from this is the seismic swarm, similar things we've seen in the past, 
And when you look at where it is, so it's not located over an active magma source. The Kauiki Fault Soar system is at the boundary between Mauna Loa and Kilauea volcanoes. So you can imagine this, this zone is always being kind of squeezed and stretched uh, between Mauna Loa and Kilauea. And we think this is just a result of the stress release associated with these background motions. During the 2018 lava flow, there were lots of earthquakes that were felt in the volcano area, but really were not felt widely. Good to know that you don't think it's really going to result in anything. That's right. We actually issued a formal um, information statement on Friday, October 23rd. And the summary is that Kilauea's volcano is not erupting. We're monitoring a shallow seismic swarm. But the overall system is stable and there's no signs of increased activity, certainly that would lead to an eruption based on what we can see right now. Very good. Mauna Loa, at the beginning of 2018, well in advance of Kilauea's eruption, then scientists in charge, Tina Neal and I talked about Mauna Loa and its potential for eruption because at that time it had kind of a heightened level of activity and then it sort of fell back during the Kilauea eruption. What is the status of Mauna Loa right now? Kilauea, we currently have as green or normal. Mauna Loa, we actually have as yellow or advisory right now, meaning that since the last eruption in 1984, we've been seeing since July of last year enough higher level in seismicity and somewhat inflation to say, well, we're going to watch this a little more closely. It seems to be displaying a little more activity than what we consider background levels. And so it's been in this yellow category since July of last year. We've not seen any changes that would warrant us to change it either higher or lower. Seismicity still is ongoing. It's still inflating as magma comes into the system. So we're keeping an eye on it. But as of right now, there are no indications of an imminent eruption. How about Hualalai? Hualalai is considered a slightly lower threat level than Kilauea and Mauna Loa. Kilauea and Mauna Loa we call very high threat potential. Hualalai we consider a high threat potential. (laughs) We're still monitoring it, but the activity levels are not enough to make us give it a standard status level right now. It would be also equivalent to green or, or background level. People say, not Hawaiian Volcano Observatory people, people say that Hualalai is, quote, due to erupt. What's your comment on that? Every active volcano is due to erupt. Will it erupt again? Yes. When will it erupt? We have no data that indicate any imminent eruption. Just like in 2018, we expect that prior to an eruption, there will be a buildup, an increase in earthquakes and changes in the shape of the ground probably gas emissions and other things that we would see. So is it due? Sure. Is it imminent? Is it likely to happen anytime soon? Not that we can tell. All righty. How about Loihi, the underwater volcano that's out there off the south part of our island? Yeah, so it's it's active. There was actually a seismic storm on Loihi back in, I want to say, April or May. There were enough increased number of earthquakes that it got some attention. So, yes. Though he is active, but again, not since that little seismic storm several months ago, we haven't noticed anything unusual since then. So you're not expecting land sales on Loihi anytime soon? <laughs> no time soon. <laughs> All right. How about Mauna Kea? Mauna Kea, along with Haleakala and Maui, is what USGS categorizes as moderate threat potential. There's seismic activity. We see couple really small ones every week up on Mauna Kea, and there was one that was felt a couple of weeks back. 
there was a deep Monica earthquake. Most of these are not associated with movement of magma or anything like that. It's the weight of the volcano settling on the seafloor and structural changes. You mentioned Haleakala. Anything there that we should be concerned about or know about? No, nothing unusual there either. There was an earthquake on Maui also, say, a month or two ago. It was strong enough to be felt, and because residents of Maui are much less accustomed to seismic activity than those of us here on the Big Island, it got people's attention and was not associated with magma or volcanic activity. I think I've covered most of the volcanoes that you all monitor and pay attention to, but is there anything that we have not discussed? Those are the major things in terms of volcanic activity. We never want to be surprised by an eruption, as you well know. We don't either. (laughs) What else should we talk about? David Phillips, scientist in charge for now at Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. I'd like to follow up a little bit more about the status of HVO. We talked about the buildings earlier and the future of the facilities, but really what makes HVO special and so effective as it is, is the people. We've had a lot of changes, not only with the building itself over the last couple of years, but also some significant changes in the makeup of the HVO staff. A lot of key people from HVO have retired. Certainly for a lot of listeners, Janet Babb might be the most conspicuous because of her constant interactions with the media and the public. Janet retired earlier this year. Several other staff scientists have retired over the past year as well, including scientists in charge. Tina Neal, who so amazingly kept HVO going and responding during the events of 2018 and really preparing us for the future. Tina was in the SIC position as part of a rotating position. She completed her five years in that position and is now back at Alaska Volcano Observatory. Back to Janet Babb. Janet was fabulous. Janet did the best job in keeping everybody informed. In addition to being a geologist, she was your public information officer. And I'd like to say, I'm pretty sure she's irreplaceable, but have you replaced her with somebody? (laughs) I totally agree. She is irreplaceable. She has not been succeeded yet. So anyway, we've had a lot of key people rotate out or retire from HVO. And so we have about 10 new people joining HVO this year. David, one of the things that people are always interested in and concerned about is making sure that the people at HVO really are on the ball. And you have been at HVO before. You clearly know very much about it before you stepped in. Are these other folks aware of everything that Kilauea and Mauna Loa have done over the past years, so they know how much we depend on them and what they're looking for? For the most part, yes. I will qualify that by saying that for residents of the Big Island who lived through 2018, unless you were here experiencing that firsthand, it's very difficult for anybody else to fully appreciate what that was like and what the residents here of the Big Island went through. With that in the proper context, yes, the new people that are joining HBO, they are experienced working on volcanoes. In fact, a couple of our new people are joining us from the equivalent of volcano observatories in New Zealand. They were directly involved, for example, with the um, the White Island events in New Zealand. We are just so happy with this group is coming in and bringing tremendous expertise and experience with active volcanoes. During all of our eruptions, and certainly during 2018, And during 2014, the HVO staff was working essentially all the time, 24-7, for months. And it's very much appreciated by people on this island. Exactly. I completely agree with the dedication and the sheer amount of time that the core HVO staff contributed. Yeah, it's just off the charts. 
everybody who was here at HBO responding to that, it just, I mean, gosh, hats off to them. It's just amazing. And so with the new people, we are getting that same level of dedication and commitment as well. And also, HBO is one of five USGS volcano observatories during the events of 2018 and in future events. We will also be able to depend upon the expertise and resources from other volcano observatories as well. You mentioned Volcano Awareness Month already? Yes. January every year is Volcano Awareness Month. HVO has hosted public talks and presentations all around the island. This year, because of COVID-19, unfortunately, we will not be able to do those presentations in, in person, in public. So we are preparing a series of virtual presentations on topics of interest, including many of the things that you and I have talked about today, Sherry. Also, one of the things that always has been the most popular Volcano Awareness Month activities are guided tours in the National Park led by Don Swanson. Having the opportunity to go for a walk with Don and learn from him is always an amazing experience. And so we've been going out with Don and collecting video footage of him, giving his guided tour, a walk through Kilauea Volcano Summit History. We'll have a nice virtual presentation online so that we can follow along with him in January, even though we're uh, safe in our homes. I am quite excited about the fact that you are going to be doing these things online, and I bet you'll find that you get a lot of people watching. David Phillips, I know that your website has just a wealth of information about all of the volcanoes you monitor and updates on earthquakes and everything else. How do people find the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory website? Our website was recently updated and you can go to usgs.gov slash HVO or you can just do like most people and Google Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. Thank you so much, David Phillips, acting scientist in charge at Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. Aloha. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us. This is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Until next time and another Island Conversations, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.